Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newsroom. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. Now, before our discussion today, I want to invite you to join us for some of our public discussions. On April 25th, we're going to be talking about the future of banking and finance. On April 29th, on navigating Canada's LNG opportunities. And on May 8th, finding the best price and buyer for your business. Details on all of these are at BIV.com slash events. This week, five real estate organizations jointly released recommendations aimed at mitigating the impact of money laundering in their sector and in the wider economy. Some are directed at senior levels of government. Some are actually for their own industry. They come as the province deliberates on more measures to combat money laundering in that industry, in our gaming establishments and in the wider economy. And it has received two new reports examining this subject. We want to talk about, though, the recommendations from the real estate business with Darlene Hyde. She's the CEO of the British Columbia Real Estate Association, one of the organizations that made the recommendations. She's going to be a panelist at our May 14th discussion on the subject of money laundering, along with Peter German, author of one of the reports for the Attorney General. She joins me now. Good to have you with us. Oh, thank you, Kirk. Nice to be here. Listen, uh, uh, how much do you think we know? <laughs> that's, where I, that's where I get started on this one. How much do we know about money laundering? Well, I can only speak for our our industry association, and we don't know much. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. We don't have visibility into criminal activity. We leave that to the enforcement, uh, law enforcement, uh, RCMP, what have you. Um, our mandate is really around uh, supporting the, le- the legitimate practice mm-hmm. of our members, our realtors. And so uh, we don't when they're falling uh, a foul of the law, we don't see it. Uh, yeah. It's just not visible to us. So bottom line is I'm hoping that Peter German's report, which is due out in a few weeks publicly, and the expert panel on money laundering, they have a similar report out in a few weeks. Uh, I'm hoping they'll shed some light on the magnitude and scope of, of money laundering in this province. I've heard estimates of, you know, a billion a year. I've uh, heard other estimates that it's uh, it's much smaller than that. But really, um, we have no idea. Yeah. You say you want to learn about the magnitude, the scope, and all of that. What else do you feel the industry needs to now learn about this in order to, uh, in order to just, first of all, apprehend the consequences of it, but also just to stifle it? Um, well, I think the reason we, the five of us came together, and actually since yesterday, since two days ago, we've been approached by other industry groups wanting to join us. Mm. But there, there is a sense that this has to be tackled from a multi-dimensional, multi-party, coordinated approach. You can't have a siloed, fractured approach to this. Other, otherwise, you're the Keystone Cops. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have yeah. to be smarter than the bad guys. And and the way to be smarter is to work together, to share information, and to make this a system-wide collaborative uh, initiative, and not not think not have people trying to do this on their own. And so that's what we've learned: that uh, the more we can collaborate with with FinTrack, uh, with uh, RCMP, uh, with uh, other um, regulators. Uh, the better off we will be. Yeah. And uh, we, we, while I said earlier, we don't know the scope and scale of money laundering, but we do know that if we implement some of these measures, this will go a long way to curbing it. Will it eliminate it? Probably not. 
but you can only do what you can do. As a as a practitioner in this one, you know, as someone who's been in this business for some time, um, it, it, has the has the sector felt left to its own devices to try to figure all of this out? Is is it been like that lonely out there? Uh, well, there has been a relationship with Fintrack, but it could be improved. Let's put it that way. Huh. We could have better communications with Fintrack. Uh, we could have um, more uh, outlining of their expectations, uh, more help and assistance with, to to brokerages uh, to get them in in compliance. Uh, more communication of audits. Uh, more consistent audits. So uh, Fintrack is an excellent intelligence gathering uh, organization. It has work to do in terms of sharing that information uh, with other entities in the system that uh, are concerned about money laundering. Yeah. So I won't say it's been lonely, but it's it's been um, a, a bit uncoordinated. And I'm hoping that what comes out of those these two reports in the next couple months weeks from uh, Peter German at Al is that we we tackle this from a coordinated perspective. I don't want to digress too much on this one, but does the association have a position about whether we should be having a, a big public inquiry or or is it best to frankly uh, do some of the you know the the nitty-gritty work here to to fix the system in a, in a short term? Well, we want to fix it now. Uh, public inquiries notoriously take years mm-hmm. and uh, uh, consume a lot of resources. I'm not saying we're against it. I'd like to see the, the results of the reports coming down the pike before I, I make a comment on that. But we want to fix these things now, and we think they can be fixed. Um, that's not to say that a public inquiry might not be a good thing down the road, but it's both and. It's not either or. Yeah, like we we've got to move now. Sure, it, one of your recommendations is that anti money laundering procedures should be mandatory for real estate professionals. And what what would that entail? In the, at least as we start here, right? Well, you see this in the financial institutions industry. Uh, tellers are trained uh, in anti money laundering. They are trained to uh, ascertain suspicious transactions at the wicket. You go up to a teller with a check for twelve thousand dollars. The the buzzer will ring and the manager will be there uh, okay. very shortly asking you questions. So it is a it is a a way of identifying where money has come from. Um, uh, Peter German would say unexplained wealth is something that um, realtors should ask about their clients, just as investment counselors when they doing work for their for their clients they know their financial situation they 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 know uh, a lot more about their clients i'm not sure that realtors ask the question mm-hmm. in terms of oh you're a student and you're buying a 3 million dollar home um, uh, how is that you know and so it's more uh, it's more a way of looking at the world through uh, a certain kind of lens that would lead you to ask um, some questions around uh, sources of funds. Yeah. Do do realtors, in a way, almost need to screen clients now all of a sudden? I think they do. I, yeah. I really think, I think they, they, they should. And, and every other, not every other, but many professions screen clients mm-hmm. and uh, don't take clients that they perceive to be too risky. Mm. Yeah. Does, does it... Um, 
does it influence the uh, the progress that might be made on this, um, given that we've got a, a market that has slowed a little bit? Is, is that uh, actually unhelpful to this, or is it helpful, do you think? I think uh, realtors have more time for education ah. uh, right now, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and they have more time to up their professional game. And that would be my view. In a hot market, um, trying to get a realtor's attention for you know half an hour to uh, learn something new is a, a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, they're off to the next deal. You, you know, you, you're charged with the responsibility of representing a, an entire industry in this province, and it's that's fairly uh, tall order. There's a lot of uh, you know a lot of uh, puts and takes on that one. Um, do, do you feel that for the reputation of the industry, that it it now has to totally immerse itself in this and and essentially solve what it what can be solved as an association? I believe for the good of the industry, for the positive reputation of realtors, uh, they have to uh, be tackling this uh, issue uh, insofar as they are able. They have to take responsibility for their role in uh, in this situation. Realtors, as you know, the real estate transaction is very complex. You've got mortgage brokers, notaries, lawyers, financiers, appraisers. You got everybody in the mix, and the realtor is one part of that puzzle. So a realtor can't solve the whole problem, but they can solve that piece, that piece of the puzzle that that says when a client comes to you and they want to purchase a house that is apparently beyond their means, uh, start asking questions. Yeah, do realtors have a, a larger um, obligation? Not an obligation, but is is it going to be more difficult? Do you think? to talk to vendors in an environment like this, to let them understand that, look, we are now taking these new measures. Um, We're not going to be bringing some people your way at times. You know, uh, I think there's been so many changes in the rules uh, through the Real Estate Council and the Superintendent of Real Estate in the last year, that this is just another new twist to doing, this is just doing business today. Uh, There's been a lot of changes in the regulatory framework. And so I don't see this as a, an impediment. I just see this as another another change uh, in practice that comes with um, a changing environment or is a response to an external threat. You've got, uh, the among the recommendations also, of course, is, is that governments and agencies are going to have need to work with real estate professionals to develop compliance resources uh, and test policy ideas. What what do you think that might entail? Um, I do think it means developing training um, tools and um, practice supports, whether it's forms or procedures or manuals that actually reflect the realtor's real world life experience. Mm. And instead of developing policy on high and uh, from a from a you know an office perspective or some regulatory perspective, that the FinTrack people actually talk with realtors on the ground and get some ideas from them as to practices and policies that will work in real life, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what it means. It means d- developing policies with the end user in mind. I know that when the banks uh, started dealing with uh, with these matters of money laundering and and as you put it, you know the the bank teller 
being that much more aware, the banks also began to talk about a different form of recruitment for the for that profession for that occupant. Uh, and 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 I wonder whether uh, you think that that as time goes on, the industry is going to be recruiting different types of people to be realtors or or specify certain types of traits that will be necessary for them. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. I think over time you're going to see um, a, a, a change in uh, who, who becomes a realtor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the standards are becoming higher. Yeah. Um, the demands from the regulator to up the game are very much there. Uh, so, you know, will it involve more education? Uh, will it involve uh, a different kind of experience set? Uh, those are questions that I can't answer, but I do think that the um, – the recruitment and the type of individual that goes into the realtor profession will evolve over time. Yeah. Last question. Uh, in, in this flurry of activity that we now have around this issue, and, and I think a lot of people would say it's, it's long overdue, but, but it's coming, um, how do we make sure that we're not overreacting, that we're not distorting the market uh, in in an untoward way in all of this? Well, again, we feel that these are modest initiatives. Uh, we don't feel any of these five recommendations are overreactions or uh, hysterical uh, responses to uh, a situation out there. Mm-hmm. What we'd like to know more about really is the uh, is the scale and scope of the problem. We're hoping that the the two new reports will shed some insight into that. But bottom line, we don't want one dollar of illicit uh, proceeds of crime to be in our business. We really don't want criminal elements in our business. Period. So whether it's um, one billion or a hundred thousand dollars, we're, we're not we're not keen on the idea of real estate being a, a hotbed or a potential, a scene as a potential hotbed of money laundering. It's not good for business, not good for, for reputation or, or, or those kinds of issues, and it's just not good for our economy. Yeah, it, it, but uh, to, to conclude, uh, you've, you've made five recommendations. Do you, do you get concerned that you're going to be pulled into more areas here, or do you think that that the reception so far of these five suggests that you've struck about the right balance for an industry? You know, I, I'd like to say that we have, but I don't know what, what I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't know what those reports contain. And there may be additional uh, responsibilities that as an industry we've got to take on. But uh, I'll just wait to see what's in, what's in those reports before, before we know that. Yeah. Darlene Hyde, it's been good to talk to you. Thanks so much for your candor on this subject. Oh, thank you, Kirk. Anytime. My pleasure. Darlene Hyde is the CEO of the British Columbia Real Estate Association. You've been listening to BIV Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time. 